This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, it's another Saturday here in Toronto and uh, lots to talk about today, of course, in the real estate world. Always a pleasure to talk about it. I have so much fun in my job. You know, I, 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 I don't think I can tell you, you know, um, how much I enjoy what I do, not just as the simple investor, but definitely, you know, keeping everybody informed and what is going on in the market. Of course, my guests are always, um, you know, professionals. They, they have a lot to do with real estate. This hour, we're going to be joined by Romana King. She is a returning guest, as you know. She's been on the show quite a few times. And um, she is a real estate author, editor, uh, just an expert in all fields real estate. And she's going to be joining us from Vancouver. And a little bit later, I'm going to have Frank Leo join me here in the studio. Always great to have Frank on. He is uh, just an incredible wealth of knowledge and also the top uh, real estate agent in the Remax network at this time and um, just a real real sharp guy and we're gonna be talking about all sorts of things uh, definitely things such as you know the Treb ruling uh, what the Competition Bureau taking it all the way up to the Supreme Court you know what the decision and why it was made the way it was also we're gonna be talking about the legalization of marijuana and you may want to tune into this one because this one definitely is some of that fact-finding is your house going to be a grow up if uh, if you turn around and you grow the allowable plants in your property it's not yet been determined what the lenders and insurance companies will determine to be a actual grow up but I am going to ask some of the uh, professionals to give us their take on it because I think it's important that we all know what we're going to be facing and as much as the ruling saying hey listen no problem you can grow four plants is it going to have a repercussion on the value of your home and I think it's so important that everybody understands you know really the interpretation and and these pros are going to tell us what their take is on it um, just to give you a heads up by the way uh, everybody's probably heard that I was talking about our new release uh, um, that we've got as at the simple investor but also we've got uh, our next simple seminar that's right our real estate seminar uh, you're gonna find out uh, why real estate's better than RRSPs you can learn who makes the best tenant and how to select them and uh, yeah I'm gonna be the one hosting it of course and it is uh, on Thursday October the 11th at 7 p.m. and if you want to register go to the simple and uh, we we haven't had one of these for quite a while and uh, we're in our new head office and by all means if you want to get a little bit more insight on being a real estate investor and picking your best tenant you definitely want to join us at 7 p.m. on Thursday October the 11th now other than that um, let's talk about what's actually going on in the marketplace again as we as we kind of broke down the uh, the numbers last week looking at it one of the important things is for us to put it into context because when people start bragging about numbers being up uh, you know year over year we have to figure out where was the bottom in the first place and the market really was pretty close to bottom in 2017 in August. So when you see an uptick, does that mean that, you know, everybody should be, you know, getting the balloons out, popping the champagne, we're over the tough part of the market. And again, this is one of those things that you have to definitely take a look at is where was bottom. And as we analyze 2017, 
we really did kind of see the numbers bottom out around August, September. And so, you know, when we start seeing year over year increases, we've got to be able to figure out, you know, is it truly a year over year or is it just we're at the very bottom of it? And I think it's important. Um, a, a big note, though, I was on uh, I was on with uh, Jerry Agar uh, this week, of course. Uh, always love being on Jerry's show, uh, 9 to noon here on News Talk 1010. And one of the things uh, Jerry and I were talking about was some of the things that voters are are looking at high cost of housing top of mind for women renters and millennial voters this there was a poll taken and the uh, the star had this article and so Jerry and I were talking about it and uh, you know I've only got so much time to talk on his show when he brings me on so I thought I would kind of finish some of my thoughts on it because I think it's important that everybody understands you know there's only so much that a counselor and some of the municipalities you know when you elect a, an official how much they can do with creating inventory and this has been the this has been one of the biggest things right now our vacancy rate in the Toronto area is so low. We're below 1%. This is this is historic, and it's making it tougher and tougher. And so, of course, you know, a lot of pressure uh, from tenants on landlords when landlords start increasing rents. You know, uh, we're finding that, you know, affordable rental is getting, uh, you know, more difficult. You know, we've got people that are saying, okay, listen, if, if I can turn around and get a few extra people to rent with me, it makes it more affordable. But it's not that easy, and I understand that 100% looking out into the marketplace and understanding where the numbers are coming from. But one of the pr biggest problems is, is that if we turn to the municipalities and some of the governing bodies, you know, are they going to come up with the right solution? And right now, you know, part of the provincial promises by a, a few parties was that they were going to increase the amount of affordable housing. And when somebody turns around and says, yeah, we're going to make a commitment to build 60,000 units in 10 years. Well, first, first and foremost, when you start the build and to be able to get all the permits, even if you are the government, it takes a while and for you to get everything lined up we probably would not have seen the first home for the first five years and with the shortfall right now that we are running with availability you know we need 50,000 new properties coming in to to handle you know all the people that are you know immigrating or coming across from other parts of Canada into the Toronto area and so at this point we have a shortage. And how are we going to get around that? Well, most importantly, I think that you've got to take a look at the privateers. Yes, the developers, and a lot of people are saying, uh, you're just supporting developers because they make money. Um, no, it's not just about that. They will be quicker to bring properties to the marketplace if they can get through all the red tape that is creating half the problem, and if the government is able to entice them, in, in other words, motivate them to do it, we'll get more, uh, more stock in, which allows us to then increase the vacancy rate, which allows the rents to come down a little, which will help self-adjust the market. This, again, is one of the things that I, I you know, I question some of the, the campaigns out there saying, you know, yes, we are for development and creating more affordable housing. Yes, and we would like uh, world peace and we would like the sun to shine every single day. And I'm sorry that I'm going to be, you know, a little bit, you know, negative on this, but everybody wants that. Everybody wants affordable housing. Everybody wants more housing. We want to be able to provide it. But how is it going to be done? And I think that if we're going to be out there voting, I think what we have to do is focus on the person that is actually breaking it down. In 
instead of just making empty promises just to get a vote. And sorry, you know, I'm not trying to be political. I'm not going behind one person or another. I just think that I would like to see a plan and how they're going to do it and one that actually makes sense as opposed to all the helium that's being blown up, you know what. So that's just my take on it. Um, so joining me now is Ramana King. And of course, you will recognize the name. She's been a frequent guest here, uh, out from the West Coast, of course. And Ramana, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Todd. You know, always a pleasure to have you on. Um, I, I, I love our updates, but more importantly, I love your take on a lot of things that are going on. And, you know, you and I have not spoken in quite a while, and it's been an interesting summer. Yeah. And I, I thought I'd ask you, you know, what is happening out west right now? Because there's a lot of stuff that trickles back to us here in Toronto telling us that, you know, Vancouver market's not quite as hot as everybody would like it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the writing was on the wall. We knew this was going to happen, um, but I don't know how people weren't sure how bad or how good, depending on your perspective, it would be. What we're really seeing is that almost 50 percent of the greater Vancouver area is now in a buyer's market, which is wow. saying something about <laughs> yeah, which is saying something about greater Vancouver and Lower Mainland because for almost a decade now, it's been the the, the place that's hit historical price records, right? Right. And, and I'm going to ask you, you know, obviously, uh, what, what are some of the factors that have created this? Well, the, the biggest factor, the biggest two factors really are the new mortgage stress test and the rising uh, mortgage rates, the rising interest rates. Those are the two factors. One is policy. Well, they're both policy, but one was a foregone conclusion. We knew rates were going to rise. Uh, the other was governmental policy specifically designed to slow down hot markets like Greater Vancouver and Greater Toronto. Okay, so but if we if we talk about foreign buyers, have you seen them kind of you know pull back as well? Because did BC not implement the twenty percent tax on them? Yes, they did. So we did see much like when the tax was initially implemented in August twenty sixteen, we have seen a pullout of the foreign buyers. Now that said, there's still a lot of anecdotal evidence that there are lots of marketing. I just think it's more aggressive marketing to foreign buyers. So it used to be kind of a foregone conclusion if a new condo development was being built you just had to go and sell 50 to 75 percent of it overseas not such a foregone conclusion anymore now you have to work a little bit harder to get that foreign buyer money but that said i mean we talk to agents that are still having buyers from mainland china fly over to, to view properties right but they're they're obviously not selling at the same pace as they once were you're watching your prices no. come backwards a little on you um if, if there is a part of the market that is that is still got some real uh, resiliency to it um is the condo market still happening or has it also fallen off um like the, the you know the more expensive homes so the condo market actually when you look at when you separate uh, detached homes from condos and townhomes condos and townhomes as a whole in Greater Vancouver, are not, they're not in buyer's markets. It's not a great time for buyers. Part of the problem, and this is the difficulty, is that we had all these governmental policies trying to target very specific segments of the market. So you had these foreign buyer taxes trying to get eliminate foreign buyers from pumping up the prices. But then the mortgage stress test came in and knocked out the affordability of most people that wanted to get into the market. So rather than buying a $750,000 home, now they're stuck buying a $550,000 home. So what's going to happen? The lower priced properties in the market, condos and townhomes, have a huge demand now. So the problem with condos and townhomes is people still want to be in the market and they're now the hottest commodity in the greater Vancouver area. Uh, we're, we just did an analysis, it's coming out soon, and 
I think there's only four markets in the greater Vancouver area of 21 markets that we looked at that were in balanced territory. The rest were in sellers markets, firmly in sellers markets for all condos and townhomes. Wow. Okay. Well, it's it's nice to get the update, uh, obviously, out of Vancouver because it's one of those things that it's kind of a, you know, we, it's a kind of a, a, a preface to what we see here in the Toronto market. But speaking of Toronto, um, Romana, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I do want to talk to you, obviously, about the Toronto market, the TREB ruling, and the impending marijuana legalization. So, uh, <laughs> folks, stay with us. I'll be right back with Romana King. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Ramona King. You will remember the name. Uh, she's been on the show quite a few times. She is a real estate author, real estate professional, uh, investor, all of it. I mean, just you know, incredible, incredible experience. Ramona, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the things that we, you know, I were just talking about, obviously, is the Vancouver market. And I know that you stay very in tune with Toronto, having, having been here for so long and you know lots going on here in toronto uh you know both both from a a market lots of legal legal things that are going on Um, i want to start off by talking about the treb ruling and what your take is on it well i don't think anyone's surprised if anyone was surprised they haven't been following this seven-year battle i think that what treb initially wanted to do and what they did successfully is slow down the inevitable I think the writing was on the wall. We already watched it in the United States when Zillow and Trulia at the time in 2008 made the same claim. They won their court battle, uh, albeit a lot sooner than Treb did. Uh, sorry, the, albeit sooner than the Canadian market. But Treb really was trying to slow down the inevitable. Eventually, they went all the way up to the Supreme Court, as they should, because their association is, represents all the realtors and brokers, and they want to you know, fight for them. Um, but the reality is, is now they are going to be forced to allow ungated communica- uh, communication. So you're going to see sold information. The difficulty right now is they're now arguing, kind of like a petty argument, well, did the 60 days before implementation start after the Supreme Court's denial of the appeal? Or did it start way back when, when the court finally ruled for the Competition Bureau? We don't really know. So you had sold out or come up. You've had it pulled off, come up again, pulled off. <laughs> and, now, and, and you've got misinformation. And that's the problem is now... I mean, you're always going to try and find workarounds, but realtors are actually entering inaccurate sold data in the MLS, which is supposed to be a very precise, clear record of all transactions. They're entering inaccurate information because their clients don't want the information released publicly. So it really is a tough situation to be in because there is a lot of legal ambiguity right now. Eventually, we're going to have rules. Uh, We're going to have, you know, very clear mandated as, as to how we do this. But right now, it's about... You know, the, the water is still a little bit muddy. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds over the next little while. Um, one of the things, of course, uh, coming up in October, the legalization of marijuana. You know, what is going to be deemed a marijuana grow up? What is not? What do you think? I mean, I, I think it's going to make a huge mess in the courts for oh. a lot of reasons, you know, not just from tenancies, but neighbors and, and allowances. So what, 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 what do you think? I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of problems with court court cases where you had people who bought a grow up, didn't know they were buying a grow up, 
had a ruling, couldn't sell it. What, and as you said, it's going to be a mess in the court system. You're going to have people that are very upset that their house is being devalued because they've got this stigma, and now they want retribution. They want to come back and say, hey, I don't want my house to be devalued. I, I shouldn't have had to pay all this legal money. So I think there will be a, a bit of a messy system. That said, courts are pretty good at saying this is not retroactive. You can't come back and seek retribution. I have a feeling that's going to happen in this case because – Wow, you could go through decades of really messy situations here. I think it's it's still going to be a problem, though, even though we have more clear insight in October as to what actually constitutes a grow-up, we're still going to have difficulties because the insurance companies still are, I mean, they're a very traditional segment of the market, and they're still a little bit up in the air as to, well, if you're a landlord with a grow-up or you have a tenant that has a grow-up, like, where does that all sit? Sure. So, where, do, where are they going to draw the line? And, and so I think it's going to be very tough because a landlord might have to turn around and say, well, my tenant is legally allowed to do this, but I can't find insurance or a mortgage lender doesn't want to lend me a mortgage. So I think there's going to be some messy problems that we're going to see arise. And what do you think about condominiums? Because that's the one that is going to probably be the stickiest because, you know, what if somebody's outside, you know, they can smoke, let's say they're allowed to smoke a cigarette out on the balcony and which technically it's a combustible. So does that mean that they can smoke out on the balcony, you know, some marijuana? And then what if somebody sits there and says, I don't like the smell of it? Yeah, <laughs> that's always been a difficulty. I mean, are you allowed to smoke in that in your private balcony space or is that public condo communal space, even though it's because it's owned by the condo and it's going to be a bit of a messy battle. I think we're going to see um, some rulings that are going to help clarify, but I think it is going to take court battles to help clarify some of these situations, which is great business for the for the legal professionals. <laughs> yeah, I, def- I definitely think that they're going to have an uptick definitely in, in, in their fees. Um, so you've been watching the Toronto market. You know, August numbers came out. Yeah, an improvement over August last year, but we can't really say that anybody was on fire last year in August. I mean, it was a pretty bad month last, you know, August 2017. So, you know, is it a little premature for the banks and some of the industries saying, yeah, we're on our way to a recovery, you know, we're getting stronger? What do you think? Uh, it's tough. To, uh, it, you're right. It's tough to say. When we looked at the, we look at sort of what is the sales to listing ratio, not to new listings, because I think that's a, that's sort of skews the, the ratios and sort of paints a rosier picture than you should. But we looked at sales to current listings. So you're capturing all those stale listings as well. And most of the greater Toronto area is still in the seller's market, uh, which is surprising for both both single homes and for condos. Uh, that said, um, it's definitely you're definitely starting to see trending corrections. Things are happening where you have uh, more and more time on the market. Prices are not, no longer 100 or 101 percent of the sale list price, but they're now 98, 95, some as low as 77 percent of list price on an average area. We're seeing more. Uh, we're seeing property sit for more time on the market. Uh, we're seeing list price is no longer guaranteed. We're not seeing as many uh, bidding wars. And so what's happening is we're seeing a market correct and move downwards. That's kind of normal. We should be seeing that. It was, you know, April, May 2017 was extremely busy, one of the best on record in history. So anything below that is going to look terrible, but that doesn't mean the market is terrible. And I think that's why you're seeing some positivity. Of course, they have a vested interest in having a positive outlook. Of course. But I think the, the verdict is out, and we really are waiting with bated breath on September's numbers, because September's numbers will help dictate, was, was there enough demand 
uh, to, to subs- like mop up that supply that's in the greater Toronto area market? And is it just simply correcting or are we on the verge of a crash? Well, that, that gives me, uh, you know, all sorts of reason to give you a shout in October when those numbers come out and and then you and I can start forecasting the ultimate number of transactions in Treb because well, you know the, the the numbers are down definitely and not just yes. price but more more volume so it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. Um, Romana, if uh, if people do want to reach out to you, what's the best way to, for them to get to you? They can always reach me at uh, RomanaKing at gmail.com or Romana.King at Zola.ca. Um, I can be found by email is probably the best way, or you can find me on my website, and I'm happy to answer questions when and if I have time. Excellent. Well, listen, Romana, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day. So, folks, that was Romana King. And coming up after the break, I've got Frank Leo joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Welcome back. So my guest in the studio right now is Mr. Frank Leo. You've definitely heard Frank's name here on the studio, uh, sorry, on the station, because um, he is the top real estate agent here in Canada, the world. I mean, Frank, you, you know, all the accolades for sure. You know, thanks for joining me again. You know, I've had you on the show before and always a pleasure to have you. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, you know, just off air, you and I've been just like, just rambling like crazy. It's kind of funny because, you know, one of the reasons why I love having you on as a guest is just because you're so knowledgeable. There's so many things you and I can talk about. You know, I've got a list of things I want to cover today and I'm pretty sure you know, we could go on for hours, but you know, let's let's get to it so we can kind of get through a little bit of uh, you know what we were hoping to tell our listeners uh, today. Of course, um, first and foremost, um, you know, how's the market right now? You know, here we are. Uh, you know, basically the middle of September. You, you know, the summer was kind of interesting as far as a market. What what is your overall take on what's going on? The market has adjusted from last year, and um, that's to be expected because it was a little bit crazy. You know, uh, there was less of a, of, a, of a logical approach to, buy, to buying and selling real estate at that time. Um, the people who are in the, in the worst possible scenario are the ones who bought for the wrong reasons. So the people with the quick flips mentality, I mean, obviously, they got caught up in a situation where the market changed, and there are some people who are in trouble who right. can't uh, get rid of the property. And I think those are the ones that are, are, are voicing their opinions the loudest. But overall, I mean, you know, from two years ago, we're still up. Uh, the market is, is, is good. People are able to now make a lot, uh, very uh, conscientious choice. They're buying properties that are better for them because they have more to choose from. They're making better decisions. And long term, that's a great, uh, great advantage because they don't have to sell unnecessarily because they bought the wrong property. Right. And that was happening last year because there was a lack of choice. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, you and I have been, you know, obviously known each other for years. We've seen the ups and downs of all the markets. And one of the things that I do recognize, though, was the, the I would say, kind of the lack of due diligence by buyers uh, last year in the heat of the market, meaning, you know, they would go firm. They wouldn't do their home inspections. You know, they were, they, they didn't even put finance conditions. They're putting themselves under so much pressure, so much scrutiny. But now today, because the market is, you know, 
I'm not going to say softer, but it's normalized. Um, exactly. You know, so now you've got people that are able to put the conditions in for both the safety of the buyer and seller. Because I don't know, you know, and, and I'd like you to talk about this because it's. I think it's an important fact that sellers should also respect the idea of a home inspection as well. Because at the same time, you know, if they if they're not aware of something and it can't be brought to the forefront, when the buyer closes, sometimes they believe they have recourse on a seller. And you and I were talking about that where, you know, we see see a lot more court cases where somebody's saying, hey, you didn't disclose this, and the, buyer's, and the seller's saying, I didn't know about it. And so, you know, what's your take on that? I think that uh, home is a very big purchase, probably everyone's largest investment. And um, sellers have a responsibility to tell people what they're buying. And so if there's something wrong with the property, they should disclose it if it's substantial and, and, and the buyers are entitled to know what's wrong with the property. Home inspections do that. They, they see things that are not seen, that are, that are obvious. But if a seller knows that there's a problem and they don't disclose, I think that that is something that should not uh, happen and uh, should, they should be responsible for, of course. Yeah. And, and again, you know, it's, we, we, we've seen a couple court cases where things get overturned. You know, they, they, they rule in favor of a seller, then all of a sudden they overturn it, rule in the favor of a buyer. I mean, you know, it's kind of a fickle position because a lot of times it's just pure interpretation. And so, you know, we, we, you and I have talked in the past educating both parties is so important and this is one of the things that i think you and i both have agreed in our careers that educating each party to the fullest is probably the best thing and one of the best things that a realtor can do it's necessary and i think that that's what what realtors are there for is to make sure that people don't make mistakes because it is one of their largest investments, but it's also a home. It's their family's uh, future, and they have to live there for their health. So we have a responsibility that is just beyond just making a transaction, signing paperwork. It's helping people make this large decision in their lives. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when and when people think about a transaction, you know, most cases they just think that, you know, you, you, you throw it up on the MLS, you know, you get inundated with, with buyers, and the realtor just sits back and they make a commission. Um, there's a, so much more to the process. Uh, you know, I, I can go on about it. Uh, I, I'd rather you go on about it because right. you're the guest. Um, but most importantly, you know, uh, the times have changed. You know, as you mentioned, you know, the market That's shifted. a good thing. That's a good thing. I mean, you know, I'll give you some stats that are very interesting that uh, came out last year. So last year there were 50,010 licensed people. I won't say realtors because not everyone was a, a Practicing. realtor. Practicing, yeah. They had a license to work. And um, 51 point three percent sold one or less properties in the entire year and 17,000 of those agents sold absolutely none so you know having a license is not enough and if you work with one of those people it's not that they're bad people I'm not trying to say that it's a tough business it's that they don't have the experience that you may require or want when you're making such a large decision and and so uh, if you have that representation that you know what's going on and what to do and how to prepare, you avoid pitfalls that could be uh, costly and also um, insurmountable for some people because they're putting so much down on their home. They're, they're investing all this money. They don't have an extra 50000 to fix a problem that they weren't aware of. So we try to avoid those things. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we can look at today is the fact that, you know, negotiation now is back on the table <laughs> okay absolutely you know when when, when you when you have and, and and i'm you know i'm not going to take anything away from a realtor 
that is able to work with multiple offers ever because you know most people think that it's just setting out for the highest price not at all i mean every offer can be different you know you also have to read the scenario read read the the agent that's representing the buyer are they educated enough to make the statements they're making you know this is one of the things that you know you and i you know had shared years ago because you know we you know our teams had done deals and all this kind of thing and you you know that if this if you're if an agent brings you an offer you know that they're strong enough to know that their buyer is qualified to be able to make a firm offer. But there was a lot of deals back last year where there was buyers that were being represented by agents. They had no idea what was going on. Somebody said, oh, I have financing. Okay, great. Then let's throw the highest offer possible. Yes. Can you tell us something Abs- about that? Absolutely. You know, a lot of things that went on were were, were done scary (laughs) recklessly i would say because people jumped in and they weren't looking you know and all the deals that we did last year i had i had problems on one that closed a month later because we we fixed it but i mean people even if they qualified when the market shifted and and they wanted to close they wanted to back out right so the paperwork the contract that you have was key in making sure that there's everything was done properly, the I's were dotted, T's were crossed, so the, your client was protected. Yeah. And so this is what, what agents do. And the people that weren't, there was many people who lost the opportunity to sell at a higher price because they went with the highest bid right. as opposed to the best offer. Yeah, you see, and I like the, how you put that because I've always agreed with that because you know, I, I can remember you know, playing with some multiple offers and people would say, look, but that's the highest price. And I said, yeah, but... Okay, uh, you know, the agent told me this, and you know, sometimes they disclose something. It's like I don't feel good about it. No, 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 it's the highest price. Not always is the highest price the best, as you say, offer. And it's really about can they show up on closing? I mean, that's the big thing. It's, is it an offer if you don't close and if you don't bring it money to the table? I mean, it's just a, it's just a, a, a number. I mean, when you close, that's when it's serious. And so uh, the people that were not aware of of the obstacles. Uh, some of them got hurt badly. Yeah, and and again, when we watch the shift of the market and the values, this is this is where it did get a little bit scary. Um, you know, I I've spoken to a lot of the lawyers in the industry. They said you know they were there was side deals trying to be made. You know, some people were taking VTB, some people were turning around doing discounts to the overall price just to get it closed because you've got that rippling effect. When the seller sells their property, they go out and they buy another property. They've committed, they've committed, and so we did see a little bit of that that domino effect in right. in. A few offers that happened I mean people had to do what they had to do because there is a domino effect and that affected uh, the ultimate price and and so that goes into the the newest uh, the newest uh, change in the in the environment with pricing and and disclosure of prices I mean uh, the, the court ruling that came up we discussed it a few moments ago and yeah you bring it we're, up. We're, we're gonna bring it up when we come back yeah but it affects this now because many of the people that sold for one price didn't close for the same price that they sold for so that also affects the real numbers. And as a realtor, we know when there's an adjustment because there's things that happen that we can see. And the, the person who doesn't know sees the data, they have no clue and they just go at face value and that's always dangerous. Okay, well, listen, what, um, I, I wanna talk more about that because this is a really important fact that I think everybody needs to know. Folks, when we come back, I've got more with Frank Leo. So stay with us, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. More 
of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. My guest in the studio with me right now is Mr. Frank Leo from Remax. You know his name. He is the best. And um, Frank, you, just before the break, you and I were just kind of, you know, it, it was a perfect lead into, you know, what happened, obviously, with Competition Bureau, TREB, the Supreme Court ruling, everything, uh, realtors, TREB, everybody, you know, huge, huge news a few weeks ago with the ruling. Um, I'll leave it to you to tell us uh, what, how you feel about the ruling. And the ruling is, is that the TREB is no longer to be the just the bearer and container of all information, that it should be opened up to the public, that people can understand and see what a property sold for on the MLS. And I want to I preface it by saying and, and emphasize MLS, because you and I both know uh, that's not always the sale price. Absolutely. And... First of all, I can say emphatically that I believe that knowledge is power and everyone should know what's going on around them before they make a decision of buying or selling. So that information is crucial. I think it's important they have it. And um, how it's dispensed is, is probably the, the, where I'll have a little bit of, of an issue. Right. Um, in the U.S., the information has been available for a long time. And, um, you know, it's very important if you know how to use it because there's you know, you have a sale price. So, for example, if I saw a home sold on my street and it sold last year in, in, in March, well, I know that number, but how relevant is that today? You have to know how, how that is, is changed in today's market and how to apply that in the, in the best, best way to work it. The issue that we have with real estate is it gets very emotional. And so emotions can change people's opinion, and that's why you need someone with a sober uh, ability to look at the data and, and give you that proper analysis to go forward. But in terms of the TREB situation, I think the issue was about uh, open and openness in terms of allowing people access to what property sold for. I, I think it was an issue that shouldn't have been addressed to TREB because that information is not complete. I mean, if it's a property sold privately, am I entitled to know what it sold for? See, that's a good point. Well, it's sold. I know it's sold in my street. I saw the sign. Yep. It said sold. It's sold. Now, shouldn't I know that information? I mean, it's my house. Yeah. I think I should know. Yes. So the public is entitled to that information. I agree. I don't agree with the source because I think the Treb's information is maybe a little bit skewed, dated, and, and the, the ultimate information is what did the property sell for, and that's on the land registry system, which is available from the government, and we have access to it. Why don't you give access to the public as well? Yeah, you see, I think I think that's a great point because, you know, as you and I had just discussed, um, when and 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 we you and I can keep you know beating twenty seventeen March up a little and and because it does work, so we saw we, we we see a sale where you know once once it goes firm it comes up on the MLS and says okay and it's just basically waiting a close right and so let's say it was going to close in June, sold for one point eight million but June. What ends up happening is all of a sudden the buyer ends up saying, listen, it can't close. Seller says, okay, well, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a better deal, $1.7 million. That's not showing on the MLS system, but yet it's showing on land registry, as exactly. you just indicated. And so would have it not been more beneficial for the government to create a public access? Now, you can get that information if you go down to the land registry office, you pay a fee and say, hi, I want to know what this house sold for. Now, nobody's going to do that because quite frankly, we this this is the, you know, the age of the internet that we should be able to turn around and log on land registry and say, hey, hmm. Now, 
one of the, I think one of the issues that people have is that, of course, then it's going to show who is the titled owner on land registry. That's not necessary. They can, uh, they can block that out. Yeah, what I was just going to say. So then we would have to encourage the government to actually be you know, thorough and smart about this and say, okay, registration for this and this. That's right. And, we, and everyone pays for that. You know, the, the issue that I have here is this. You know, we all pay our taxes and land registry is supported by taxes. And so everyone is part owner of that system. Whereas the Toronto Real Estate Board is only by realtors. And it's a system to collect data, to organize it that they've paid for. And, and, and you know, should we have access to private data that has been collected and just millions of dollars spent, but not, you know, uh, not paid for by the public. So that data is something that the members should be entitled to. I'm not saying sold data, but even how it's how it's uh, organized and, and, and dispensed. But if they want sale price, absolutely True. give that information. So this is my issue. It's not because of uh, privacy in terms of what the property sold for. I think the name should be not disclosed because I think that's a yep. privacy issue. Yeah, but if it's a privacy issue and it's an accuracy issue as well, I think the government should open up its records to the public. Yeah. I think, I, listen, brilliant, brilliant take on it. Um, okay, so let's talk about another hot topic uh, that's coming up, obviously, uh, is marijuana, you know, legalization here uh, in Ontario. And we'll just talk about Ontario, not necessarily the country right now. And the fact of what can be deemed a grow-up, okay, for, for plants allowance. Well, you know, th I think that... Um there is some abuses in the system that happened years ago, and it's very unfortunate um, where people have had their property mislabeled as a grow up without the negative repercussions of a grow up. So let me clarify. Yeah. Uh, the, the issues with a true grow up are the humidity levels, the mold levels, um, the electrical issues that could cause uh, a hazard to the home. And of course, those are things that have to be addressed corrected because I think that that's very important. But where the stigma comes in is not about the those issues. I think the stigma comes in as, as a grow up in a legal issue. So it was something that was illegal that was done inside the home. Where it turns out that if somebody was 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 caught with two plants being grown in their in their kitchen, that would be quote a grow up. Right. I had a client who was a wonderful lady, bought a property as an investment, rented it out and then got a call from Hydro and the police because the tenants bypassed the electrical and shorted out the compressor down the street. Right. They traced it back to this home. Now, the poor lady not only had to pay $5,000 to pay for the repair, the repair to <laughs> right. the electrical grid, which was not her fault, but it was her tenants. But now, because the objective of the, te the tenants was to bypass the electrical for a grow up, the home was deemed as a grow up. Right. It never had any mold. The electrical issues were not an issue because they were repaired and everything was fine. But now that person took a big hit on the price of the property because of that issue. Because of the stigma. The stigma. Right. So, so here's, what's, here's going to be our biggest problem is that should a grow up be determined by the level of mold that can be tracked in it? Will banks continue to finance and give you mortgages if you have you're allowable for plants in a property. This is, this, this, this I, is, I don't I, think, I don't this think is going to be a mess. I, I don't think so. I think that your focus is in the wrong direction. Um, once everything is legal, it's legal. I think the issue should be a health one, and strictly a health one. If there's mold issues, do a mold test. If it's mold is high, 
it's not good. Any home, whether it's a grow up or whether it's a leaky basement. Exactly. Good point. The plants have nothing to do with it. Whether they're tomato plants or they're beautiful, you know, orchids. I mean, it's a plant. Sure. If you have a greenhouse inside your house and you're growing tomatoes, okay, you still have moisture. And if it's not vented correctly, it's a mold then you're going to have a mold issue. And that home, right. if it has a mold issue, the, the buyer should be aware. And, and you know, that's, that's the... the that's the issue. I don't think it's the non-issue in terms of housing from a perspective of homes because, you know, the plants and your furniture go with you when you leave, and all we have is the bare walls. As long as those walls are solid and there's no mold and there's no issues, it's a great house. Okay. Um, one last point then uh, on the same topic is should we have an issue with people smoking marijuana in properties? If, let's say, let's say you're a tenant, you know, condominiums right now are starting to work on their, on their declarations and the rules and bylaws. Should this also come into effect? You know, this is a tough one. Uh, the, the condominium one is the biggest issue because of proximity. Um, you know, most people that I know don't smoke inside their own homes. That being said, if you're in a condominium and you go on the balcony, it could affect your neighbors because of the proximity. Right. And so that's the big issue. If you're affecting someone else, I have a problem with it. If you're not affecting someone else, then you're not. But inside any home with the ventilation systems that are connected, it's, it's a problem. It's affecting someone else. So I think that that from a, uh, a charter rights and, you know, having your freedoms to breathe sure. clean air is yep. an issue. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be the one that gets the highest yeah. complaints. I really do. I'm not sure about the whole, you know, four plant issue, if that's really going to create that much moisture and create issues. But I guess, you know, you and I have a front, front row seat to all of this, of course, and uh, it'll definitely unwind how it will. Um, Frank, what do you think of the spring, uh, sorry, the fall market? What are we going to be looking at this fall? Are we, are we, are we seeing a little bit of continuance? I know that uh, August wasn't too bad. You know, we saw a little bit of a trickle up. Not, not, not huge, but are, are we going to continue? Well, I think the August numbers are, 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 are they were sounded better than they are because last yeah. year we had a terrible August. So yeah. we're higher than the terrible August yeah. from last year. Um, I think that we've settled down. I think that the homes are, are, are not something people want. I think there's something everyone needs. And so what, we're, what we got out of the system, a, a lot of these speculators who were not there for the uh, right reasons, right. and so those people are, have weeded out for the most part. There are a few left that can't uh, continue on with what they have. And once those are out, we have more of a balanced market, and, and that's the way it should be. Real estate has been a great long-term investment, but if it's done with a intelligence with the market growing with the economy going with it it's great but if it's done superficially where people are just buying a property and flipping it with quick no bucks. money quick yep. bucks that's where the problem is whether it's real estate uh, bitcoin the sure. stock market or yep. anything it's not the way to do it yeah and one of the things i think that uh, just as a quick disclosure to all our listeners is the fact that if you are flipping properties and you are uh, avoiding your capital gains tax you know the cra is going to come after you because they are really starting to crack down on that Absolutely. And they should because, you know, people are, you know, doing it for the wrong reasons. Everyone needs a home. You know, it, it is an investment, but first of all, it's a home and a and place you have to, you know, stay with your family. And we want to make sure that you do a, you know, a great property and long term, they're going to do well. Yeah, excellent. Listen, Frank, always a pleasure to have you here on the show. Uh, our listeners, uh, you know, always hear about you here on News Talk 1010. Uh, best way for them to reach you? My website's the easiest way, uh, getlegal.com, uh, able to 
and happy to answer any questions anyone may have. So oh, well, listen, always a pleasure to have you on, Frank. Thanks so much. Thank you. Folks, that was Frank Leo from Remax. And uh, I also want to thank um, Ramana King for joining me. Always a pleasure. Interesting market happening in Vancouver. Always great to have Ramana give us an update. Frank is definitely in the now right here in Toronto, knowing what's going on. Uh, I want to thank uh, Andre and Ian. As usual, they keep it simple for me. I want to thank you for tuning in. And uh, remember, I am back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.